Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. I was ready to come to the Struman podcast and now Magic Johnson is tweeting like top 60 lists. It's like, why did he go with 60? Why, why are they in alphabetical order? Is it really a rankings list if you don't rank them? It's his 60th birthday, so there's one answer to your question. Oh. I think that's why. His, his movie list isn't terrible. Both shafts, recent shafts, are on there. Isn't Triple X on there too, or something? Yes, Triple X. Yeah. I didn't there. even bother reading it, but Triple <laughs> X being on there is pretty incredible. So yeah, I'm recovering from that right now. If I sound a little <laughs> bit off, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it is Tuesday. Uh, we are going to be talking about Ryan McDonough uh, as one of our kind of off-season pods here to get us closer to the season. We are going to be looking at, in our opinion, the top five best and the top five worst moves that McDonough made. Now, we didn't really structure this at all beyond that. We didn't really give out any guidelines or rules. So it's kind of just open to interpretation based on how you see um, the uh, see that. Like when someone tells you, what are the top five, top five worst? Like that's, that's all I... You know what's weird about this is we, the timing feels like you guys are really bored and you have nothing to do, which is partially true, but also... Uh, he didn't have a replacement until like what a couple months ago, and also now that we know what we know about how his draft picks fared a little more, we have a general direction for each of those guys. I think, um, I think it it is a good time this off season to cover that. So that was kind of the reasoning behind this, which again feels weird, but here we are. We're kind of at a point now where most of these are conclusive. I think the 2017 and 2018 drafts are the only ones where we can kind of, even 2017, we can kind of give definitive stakes takes. It's not good right now. It's definitely not good. I think we should start with best because it's going to go quicker. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, let's just structure this in a way. So uh, we'll go five to one for both of us, and then we'll. Or we'll just start at five and then go on. And then if I mention something that you have ranked two, just uh, mention it where you have it. And we'll talk about it for a couple of minutes. Does that gotcha. sound good, Kevin? Yeah. Parameters and all that? Yeah. Number five on my list for the five best Ryan McDonough moves. The Luis Scola trade. Do people remember the Luis Scola trade of 2013? People do. I have that actually grouped into another thing that's ranked number two. Okay. Because I kind of did different than you possibly. Yeah. Did you just like group together all of his trades in that offseason? Just yes, like I the, did. the yes, 2013 offseason as a whole? It was a pretty good offseason. It was a pretty good offseason. In a so, vacuum after that, who knows? So yeah, we, we can talk about the whole offseason then because I have the Eric Bledsoe trade, which was in that offseason as well. I have that number two on uh, his list, but the gotcha. Luis Scola trade I'll start with. Uh, that was. Yes, this is. I'm talking about the Luis Scola trade, which is which is hilarious in its own way. But this was taking a guy who was a NBA starter, quote unquote, but clearly on the decline. He was a useful player in many ways, but he averaged 13 points and seven rebounds a game with the Suns. He had two years left on his contract. He was 32 years old. They get Gerald Green, Miles Plumley, and a first round pick for um, 
for Scola and and Green and Plumley were two guys in that deal thought of at the time where Green might be a useful player. Plumley's like a project big, but the most rewarding part of that was a first round pick. Getting a first round pick for Scola on two years left on his deal when he's thirty two is pretty great anyway because he wound up coming off the bench for Indiana. He didn't even start and they gave up a first round pick for him. And Gerald Green comes in and he averages 16 points a game. He shoots 40% from three on six attempts a game and is one of the best guys to come off the bench in the league that year. He was a key part of the 48-win team. Miles Plumley, I mean, for everything bad about his career and everything that didn't pan out about him, he was a guy that, that played for them. He started games. It was only 18, 19 minutes a game. And he showed signs right before the, the season he got traded, uh, the season that he got let go in the, in the night deal, I thought that he was actually like showing signs a little bit. His career, of course, never came together. And then that first round pick turned out to be Bogdan Bogdanovich, which got involved in another trade uh, that we'll be talking about later for sure. Uh, but that was just an example of taking a guy, an asset just on its back end, essentially, and turning it into useful pieces now and for the future. I thought it was really good. I'll hit on Plumley because Plumley's season, actually, I mean, for a 48 win team, he's the starting center. Started 79 games, 8 points, 8 boards, a block a game, like, like dunked. Um, he dunked. He dunked. Yeah, Two and a half I mean, offensive rebounds a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a starting player, like, for a good team. So you got the value there. Gerald Green, like you said, I think people will remember how exciting and how much he endeared himself to fans. There's another key 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 piece i wrote a story on him that offseason after he played so well where i was like what it what is this essentially because most of his shots were bad shots yeah and then the conclusion i came down to was well if the bad shots go in i guess they're not bad shots it doesn't really matter and then the bad shots started not going in and it turned sour but that one year 40 percent from three on six attempts a game not many guys for like louis scola like i i liked louis scola as like he works really hard. Yeah. I actually like appreciated like when you watched him up close how many moves and reactions and how hard he had to work just to get his shots off cuz he was not a fast or athletic man. I appreciated that about him, but yeah. That was that was a good move. Arena There are a lot of good moves that offseason. Should we just go? So I have the there? Bledsoe trade ranked 2. I have that uh, I, I meant ranked two as in T-O-O, but I do have a rank number two, T-W-O yes. as well. For Jared Dudley in a three-team deal with other things happening. In so they sent out Jared Dudley in a second-round pick. In return, they get Eric Bledsoe and Karan Butler's expiring $8 million deal. Just a good example of one of those trades where if you have a little bit of extra salary cap space to take in, you can sometimes be just the right place at the right time. Fun story on that. I actually went to the uniform reveal because that was that off season, and uh, Karan, Karan Butler's Butler only it. like yeah. appearance in a Suns jersey was for the uniform reveal, and then he was you know traded yeah. for what? <sighs> I was just a blog boy at the time making fun of it on Twitter. I wasn't a big shot reporter like you yet. It was really entertaining, Kellen. Yeah. I talked to him about how the jersey looked or something, <laughs> and then he got traded for Kraft Scott. I I always screw up his name, Nish Smith. Like a month later, two who could forget? Later. That's also part of this off season. Huge Ish Smith. Um, 
also part of that offseason. Do you do you want to talk about Bledsoe? We should probably talk about Bledsoe. We should probably talk about Bledsoe. He was a guy in the 2013-14 season, the special sauce for them winning 48 games was that Bledsoe was pretty much an all-star point guard until he got hurt in the first half of the season. And then Dragic was pretty much an all-star point guard in the second half of the season. Bledsoe comes back in the second half of the season. That year, he averaged 18-5-5, and um, 48% from the field, 36% from three. Uh, and then at 77% from the line. He was a near all-star guy in that year, and then you look at the production from him going forward, you can talk about how effective he was. Was he quote-unquote good? I think I'd argue for sure in his first two years when he was 24 and 25, he was a good two very good point guard because of how good his defense was. And then, of course, as he started carrying less and the team started getting worse, his defense suffered massively. We've seen in Milwaukee that this just turned out to be not his knees. It wasn't on his knees. It was on him because he has shown the defensive ability. I believe he made first team, second team all defense this year. I don't remember. Somewhere in there. Probably, yeah. Um, but again, this is like the Scola move, but a much grander scale where you take a guy like Dudley who was on, he had, I believe, a year or two left on his deal and a second round pick and you just take on an expiring and then... You get Bledsoe, who is your starting point guard, a good starting point guard for three seasons, and then a guy that you flip later on for assets as well. Um, Just one of those where the entire chain of events worked out really well from a value perspective. Yeah, I mean, I would... I was always down on Bledsoe. I thought he was more of a number two. He was a two guard. I was always higher on him than everyone else, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, for basically jared dudley that's that's great also that offseason gortat unloading also shannon brown malcolm lee kendall marshall for Emeka okafor who never appeared in the sun's uniform the mysterious the the great Emeka okafor expiring contract that, that we great. were we were all told by all the smart people including like me and you were probably tweeting the same thing like they're probably going to be able to get a pick for that or a late first round pick because it's this huge expiring deal and they'll take on money or whatever and it never happened but the, the stuff they gave up never happened either uh what was they the gortat pick what what was the Gortat pick? Who they wind up drafting with that? So they also got a 2014 pick, which was Tyler Ennis. Ooh. So I mean, it could have been what it was. It Gary Harris. Is that that draft, or is that too? Am I mixing these things? Yeah, up? it's the Gary Harris draft. So they could have gotten Gary Harris. It's fine, but as it stood, that's a pretty good deal. Again, that was the first round pick. Yeah, and an expiring for a bunch of guys who are under contract. Like they were. They realize Kendall Marshall is not an NBA player. Like, got to unload that. That was a rookie deal. So, I mean, it wasn't huge because he wasn't a high, high pick, but it was cash that they're freeing up. I don't remember what Shannon Brown was under. He might have been expiring too, but. McDonough turned out too good to be true because that was just a, it was a really, really good offseason and just seemed like he has a plan and he is not afraid to, that's my whole McDonough thing is that he's always been, a guy that will make moves. He will not hesitate. He's aggressive. But once you want to put a team together, it turns out that you need to not just trade willy-nilly. Yeah, but once it actually comes to the the good stuff and putting together a, a real legitimate team and not just random scraps here and there, uh, that's where he really immensely struggled, unfortunately. Yep. Do you want my number five? Yeah, what was your number five? TJ. Just TJ Warren existing? Drafting him. He Whoa. drafted Yikes. a 20-point-per-game score at that pick. That's fine. 
they didn't ever use him right, and they pissed him off too, and he left. But <laughs> do you, dude? Honestly, I had on this list also. This is my honorable mention outside the top five, but it doesn't really count because he was really good at scouting uh, borderline NBA talent that turned into good NBA talent. Except they didn't keep them. Was that was Daniel House last year? No, he was two years ago. Yeah, that's right. Shaq Harrison, Derek Jones Jr., Seth Curry was on the Suns. You just had that as an element, just finding finding these like scrap guys, scrappy Excel. guys who might turn into NBA players, and then some of them did, but they didn't do that with the Suns because there's uh... Derek Jones Jr. seems to be the one that could really rear its head. Uh, in Miami, it seems like yeah. it keeps getting better for him there. So TJ Warren, they took him aboard the. Da- I just wanted to mention Daniel House. That's, all. <laughs> that's why I'm here. You should. TJ Warren 14th in that draft. Zach Levine went 13th. Dario Sarge 12th. Doug McDermott 11th. Alfred Payton 10th. Noah Vonley 9th. And then you go down another five spots. Adrian Payne 15th, and then it goes Nurkic, James Young, Tyler Ennis, Gary Harris. Oops. Uh, Bruno Cooper, Adams, Rodney Hood. So it's just a Lee. Uh, your range of that draft very good draft that's probably going to be one of the depending on how Embiid's career turns on the next couple of years that's probably going to be one of the worst drafts we've ever had because Embiid is the only all-star out there that's even close Aaron Gordon I guess is or Julius Randle are probably the next closest guys of course Nikola Jokic went 41st so that really helps who do you have number four DeAndre I have the 2018 draft number four look at that wow we did it DeAndre's probably going to be a good NBA player. This is this could turn, this could move up and down a lot cuz we still don't know how good he's going to be, but I feel confident he's going to he's going to be a dude. He's going to be a starting NBA center for a while. Yeah, I have that number 4 too. Uh, I have DeAndre there and then the Mikel trade. I think that this has the potential to be number 1. This is the this is one of the few things we're going to be talking about on this list where it's not conclusive yet. Um DeAndre at number one for me is a touchy subject because I feel like Luca was the the right pick, so I can't rank it too high. And especially depending on how the next couple of years unfolds, this could actually go a different direction, and they could yeah. wind up on the top five worst moves if Luka Doncic winds up being the, one of the best players of his generation. And it's worst case scenario for DeAndre, is, and he's an empty stats guy, or it could turn the other way. And DeAndre could be an all-star center, and Luca, whatever Luca is, it doesn't really matter because you got DeAndre in anyway. I don't know how high to put it. I that's why I put it fourth because it's the number one pick. I'm not going to give you points for winning the lottery. No, it's a gimme. Um, the Mikel, I That's why I grouped yeah, it together. I should I should have grouped Mikel in there. The Mikel trade is just that's go get your guy. You're at 16. The fall off there is pretty noticeable in my opinion, and I thought it was a really Smart move. Thought it was smart. Yeah. Number three for me is the Goran Dragic trade. I think this is one of the all-time context sort of moves here. Maybe the one that requires the most context we're going to talk about because in in the moment, I think you can be surprised by this being on here because Dragic being upset. We don't. We just don't know what exactly led to it. Now, a strong inkling of it is probably Isaiah Thomas being factored in to the equation, or Eric Bledsoe be still being factored into the equation. It turns out you should have built around Gorn, or you should have built around Eric Bledsoe. Um, whatever it wo- whatever it wound up being, 
Um, I'm not willing to dock him that much uh, because we just don't know the context of it and how much it was on the sun screwing things up. But from our vantage point, what happened was Goran Dragic went from whatever he was to like, I want out. It's a week until the trade deadline. Trade me. And who knows how long those trade deadlines were going or trade demands were going on behind the scenes. But regardless, it gets worse. About 72 hours, 48 hours before the trade deadline, it gets reported that he has a list of teams that he's willing to sign an extension with. And it's only three or four teams, I believe. Good so agenting now, from him. Yeah. Good agent stuff and really bad for the Suns because now it dwindles down their just leverage in every single scenario. So he still manages to get two first round picks in that situation for Goran Dragic, which looking at the way Goran has played for them now in the past two years, I mean, he did make an all-star team for them to be fair, but you look at the player that he is now, I think Miami was certainly expecting him to be this, that version of himself from that 48 win team for at least until now, at least through most of that extension that he signed. And it turned out that this was actually one of those things where it matched up and it was the right time to get rid of him. You get the picks, which, taking it back to the Mikel Bridges trade, that is the Mikel Bridges trade. The number 16 uh, pick in that draft, the 2019 draft, is the first Miami pick. And then they gave up the 2021 unprotected to move up to 10, which is the other Miami pick from this deal. So it basically turned into Mikel Bridges, which pretty good stuff for me uh, in terms of the player Mikel looks to be and what Goran Dragic um, looks like he is now and how much he just really wouldn't have helped them, I think, over the next couple of years. Of course, Suns don't have a point guard, memes and all that stuff, but I don't know. How do you feel about it? Um, I agree with you, except that I grouped that into my worst rankings Ooh. as that entire day as a whole. So it was not good. The uh, the twenty. 20- Eight, February 2017 15, trade deadline? 15, dog. 15? Holy smokes, my it's brain. 2019. <laughs> yeah, wow. Don't know what happened there. We can touch on that when we get to the worst. Yeah, we'll get there in the worst. Um, what do you have number three? Signing Isaiah Thomas. Ooh. Four years, $28 million. You'll say they have too many point guards, but if some guy who you think is that good signs on four years for $28 million, you do it, and then you figure it out, uh, hindsight, they did not figure it out well at all. <laughs> but, like, look, he went on to be, like, a borderline MVP candidate with the Celtics on that contract. He got hurt. He, you can say that's dumb. But, yeah, I that was always, uh, this guy is going to be super tradable to me. And they botched it at the trade deadline in February. That was one of the moves where I think it happened at Summer League. I think I was at Summer League when it broke and I was just my reaction with it was exactly that. It's like four years twenty million. That is a bargain for a guy who is a six man of the year candidate. And even if he falls off a little bit and the fits clunky, whatever it is, great. You can now trade him because trading that contract is so easy. Or for, you trade Dragic or, or you, exactly and hindsight there was they Bledsoe insurance at that point too yeah exactly yeah, because yeah. of his knees that's a good point um the well, only he was a free agent that offseason right who was yeah Bledsoe was yes correct. so it was yeah that year Thomas averaged 15 points a game four assists shot 43 percent from the field 39 from three 
87 from the line. He did not really seem to figure it out until January and February, and it turns out right when they decided to trade him is right when they looked like they were figuring it out. I remember I wrote like a 2,000-word thing on Bright Side of the Sun that was like, he's figuring it out. You can tell on the court that he finally has a rhythm for what he is supposed to be in this system. And then, of course, that's when they decide to blow it up and everything. I think that if they would have stuck with him, and just all three, honestly, like they didn't have to trade any of them, I think. I think they were on the verge of figuring it out, and they probably would have won 40, 41, 42 games that year. I, and who knows what the ceiling would have been in that team or whatever. But I think they could have at least played it out for the rest of the year and saw how it went, and then gone from there in the offseason. And then that's where you decide, okay, which one of these guys needs to go, which one of these guys needs to stay. And then he goes to Boston. He's an MVP candidate. He averaged 29 points a game in that second year. He made an all-star team. After coming off the bench and again, um, that first, when he got traded to Boston, he shot 41% from the field. He looked didn't look comfortable, and then he just settles in and becomes an MVP candidate, like we said. Um, I was going to rank it here, but I think that in the way that I decided to rank it, um, too many factors I'm not aware of. I don't feel comfortable ranking it. Like, how much did that factor into having to trade Bledsoe and Drogic and so on? It was just, I didn't want to. I didn't want to put it there. I feel like I'll even it out because I'm going to dock the <laughs> crap out of them when we get to the worst moves. What'd you have number two? Uh, that 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 reloading his first summer on the job. All okay. of that as one. And your number one is Devin Booker. Yes, mine too. <laughs> Surprise. We don't have to talk about that because he's. We talk about him a lot, and we're going to some more. Top five worst moves. There's a lot. It's hard to pick five. Um, it, it's surprising. It it took me, as you can tell, by like putting Skola fifth. That was one that I just wanted to mention, and then I was going to actually put my five, and I just got to that five. Uh, it, it's really it's really tough. You, you go through, and I think you spend a couple hours on this exercise, and you'll find five legitimate moves that were great. But finding five worst moves, it takes you about. 15 seconds off the top of your head uh, to get there. What did you have number five, Kevin Zimmerman? Marquise Chris trade. Ooh, I have that number one. Ooh. I have the 2016 draft as number one. Okay. Um, That's a lot to give up. Is Bogdan Bogdanovich. The Scal pick, he was what, 29th, I think? It was 28 and 13. 28 and 13 it was and a 2022nd for Marquise Chris I was all for it at the time I liked him as a prospect um we'll get into this when I get to number four did anyone do a like personal profile of Marquise Chris like did we check on him like he's a nice kid but did we figure out who he is oh from the son's perspective yeah I don't know. Um, I just think that this was, for me, this is number one because the big shot was these two top ten picks. He turns it into a top ten pick by giving up a guy in Bogdan, who at that point it was clear at Fenerbahce, like, this guy's going to be like a useful NBA player, at least as a shooter. Yeah. And now he's this assist to turnover monster in Sacramento and like a third piece of their really good offensive backcourt. Um, I might be over-exaggerating there a bit, but I just think that he's really good, and I think especially this year he's going to show uh, how much more uh, of a threat that backcourt is. But regardless, it's the the gamble was that they could could they play together, and we didn't even get that far. Both these guys are pretty much out of the league right now. 
I believe Marquise Chris is not on an NBA roster right now, from what we know. I actually don't even know. Um, I'll look that up while you... I don't even think he's gotten like a 10-day or anything yet. Um, but for right now... Wait, is he still under contract with Cleveland? He should be on a rookie deal, but he's, I don't know if I they think picked he, up. I think he's a free agent. Right. I swear he's a free agent. Uh, he's, yeah. He's a free agent now, yeah. Yeah. And no one has signed him. Mm, no. Wow. So he's out of the league. Dragon Bender is pretty much right about there. Milwaukee's taking the one shot. And then if he screw if it screws up for him in Milwaukee, it's very unlikely that he's going to get a shot anywhere else. And to be clear, Milwaukee signed him on a non guaranteed deal, I believe. So they could easily get rid of him before training camp. He's essentially a training camp body for them right now, from what I can tell, that could make the roster. Uh and, and just that the two top eight picks out of the league within three years. That is a horrible, horrible failure. It is so terrible. And, and and I am one of the highest people on the logic train of, well, at the time, Dragon Bender was like the fourth or fifth best guy in this draft, or arguably the third. Marquise Chris, when you looked at that draft, you were like, there's a cutoff once he goes in terms of upside and everything. But at a certain point, the whole push comes to shove thing and that's awful. And then you look at Buddy Heald and Jamal Murray at six and seven. They could have had one of those guys. Um, Jakob Pertl has turned into at least a little bit of something. You look at DeMontis Sabonis at 11. It, it's, a, it's a really bad draft, but, but still with that in mind, you could have reached it on Karis LeVert at 13. Um, it's, it's, it's rough. It's super I'm not rough. so upset about the Bender pick because I think we agreed that that was just a weird draft and there was drop-off there. Yeah. Um, but the Chris thing is, one, they didn't have a pick that much further down, so I don't know if they knew something where someone was deaf. I mean, he based on the mock boards that we saw, he was probably going to get drafted before they picked. But it's just like those two assets you could have done so much more with and had Bogdan. Like, that's... That's really betting on yourself knowing and for a guy that raw who would just flash and had you know, he had a football background, all that, it's like you better be sure about his willingness and abilities to improve and get better. And definitely Washington is not that place, and I know that as a college basketball place where it's like he got so much better because like he just let him go play basketball and he just happened to have this natural talent. So I that's a lot to give up for a guy you just don't know. And they turned out to get it wrong. I mean, it's kind of the same thing as the Brandon Knight thing, where it's you don't know that he's not, he's going to just get hurt all the time and all this. But some, I don't know. It's just those assets giving that up. That's why I had him and Bender not on this list. But, but you could throw Bender in there. I don't care. Yeah. I, I have it number one. I just think it's a, it's a disaster. And you look at, what they have right now, I think, revisionist history. If one of these guys works out, they probably don't get the number one overall pick in 2018. But you just look at, they had Booker already. So just the the extra help you could get from this core right now from him or Josh Jackson, who we're probably going to talk about here in a second. Um, 
it's it's crazy to think that even if all that went wrong, they're still in a position where they're at right now with young talent. It's pretty incredible that they're in that spot. It's just dumb luck, really. Uh, number five for me was signing Tyson Chandler. Okay. Four years, $52 million. He made his money one year, I would argue. That was his second year. His first year, he was hurt the whole time, and he was adjusting. Year two, he's healthy. He plays well, but probably worth like eight or nine million a year, maybe not worth thirteen million a year. And of course, the entire reason you signed him was to go after Lamarcus Aldridge, which didn't wind up working out. And then the argument, like the Isaiah Thomas signing, was that okay, well, if you don't get Lamarcus Aldridge, you have Tyson Chandler, nice veteran, starting caliber center. He was a starting caliber center only one year, and then he was unplayable in his third and fourth years. He was not an NBA player by his third year. It was a absolutely horrendous job of just scouting him and looking at him and just figuring out the timeline on his career because he was useful one year and hurt the there first year. There was already year. evidence that he was going to be hurt too. There was already that, and then you just look at the length of his career, signing a guy like that to a four-year deal. Um, at the time, I didn't mind it. But I just didn't expect. My argument was that he's a starting caliber center for the first two years of his career, which he was in year two. And then Alex Len takes over for him, and he's the backup to Alex Len in years three and four. Problem is, he wasn't even capable of being a backup in years three and four. And you brought him in for this culture and locker room guy. Clearly, he didn't have that t- type of effect on the locker room because who's to say how much he could have really helped? But oh yeah, he wanted to leave like all the time. <laughs> he. He turned down a trade, I believe, in year two when he was playing well, but then in year three, it was more of like he wants to leave. Those were the rumblings I kept hearing was that he wanted to get out. Yeah, I mean, I grouped him, and that's my number three, is the chase for LaMarcus kind of set this off. Um, It's not just failing to sign LaMarcus. It's signing Tyson Chandler to that contract, everything you just said, and unloading the cash to possibly sign Aldridge was pissing off Marcus Morris. And then that just snowballed. Pissing off Markeith Morris, trading into, Marcus Morris. That snowballed into Markeith's offloading. So that's all grouped together. That's all linked. That's all LaMarcus Aldridge related. And that just set this series of bad things off. The more I do damage to themselves in terms of. Suns fans not liking them, but they had every right to be upset with the chain of events there. They agreed to a deal, which again, they agreed to that deal. So it was it was on them to take that deal, which was, I believe they, they both made the same amount of money together. And it was like Marquis for Marcus, one of them was going to get paid more money, but they decided to combine it together essentially to stay in Phoenix. It was the Suns asked them how to split it. Yes. Here's the amount of money you split however you see. And they split it some way, but treating I, them like a package deal and then trading one of them to get off salary cap room, which is just that's a, yeah that's that's hilarious I mean it's unique, and it was a good idea at the time, I guess because they were so close, but you are I wonder if they ever said, well, we're setting ourselves up because what if we have to trade one of these guys? What if someone else wants one of these guys um but they had a right to be upset is is the point. And, yeah, to some degree. I mean, like yeah. how it went down, how they learned about it. In a vacuum, again, I don't know if it was that bad, but once it happens again and again and again where guys are traded and they didn't know they were going to get traded, that's that was the big kind of thing was 
communication was awful. Like, it's just there was a disconnect there about the reality of what was going on. Um, so, yeah, that's my number three. Also, Reggie Bullock was in that, who turned out to be a pretty good NBA player. Not a pretty good NBA player, but he's an NBA player. Is he on the Lakers? I believe he he went to New York. Oh, I think New York yeah. got him to be a shooter. Yeah, just shooting. I don't know. Would you have number five? Five. Yeah, that was my three. Yeah, would you have five? Did I skip four? I had five. Was Marquise? Was Marquise Chris? Okay, what about four? Josh Jackson. Me too. Even more of the Marquise things, but with a guy who you knew had like something not right. He had a couple things legally in college. You knew his skill set was good and seemingly a fit, but I mean, I kind of, this one was tough because I also think he still has enough skills where he could be useful and you can't predict someone's just going to be in trouble constantly either, but it it was a ruined opportunity because that was a good, that was a better draft than like Bender's draft. And that's where you could have done other stuff. Like, I what I think I said a few weeks ago, Laurie, De'Aaron Fox, I like those prospects. Like, that... So, the way I worded it, I have it number four as well. I said drafting Josh Jackson over De'Aaron Fox, knowing yeah. that Eric Bledsoe was pissed off. Because at the time... There was no case to be made for De'Aaron Fox. Now, if you go back and look at my stuff I said about De'Aaron Fox, I did not like De'Aaron Fox in the draft at all. I despised him in the draft. And it's one of the things I've been the most wrong on before. And I really love De'Aaron Fox as a player right now. Um, but we just weren't evaluating De'Aaron Fox at all because Eric Bledsoe was here. We weren't hearing anything to the sort of him being upset. I mean, the Suns were awful, but it was just you were looking at it like Bledsoe and Booker was your backcourt. Bender and Chris is somewhere in your front court. Jackson just made all the sense in the world. But knowing behind the scenes that Eric Bledsoe was pissed and he pretty much wanted to leave, you take Josh Jackson over De'Aaron Fox, who went fifth. It's right there. He went fourth. Or the other way you look at it is they didn't know Eric Bledsoe was pissed. Like they didn't know Goran Dragic was pissed. Like they didn't happy. Like this keeps on going. Knowing things is a fault to some degree when it keeps happening over and over again. Random aside. Yeah. Where do you see the 2017 draft kind of winding up? Here is the top 10, and then I'll kind of rattle off names. Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, Jackson Fox, Isaac Markinen, Neil Aquina, Dennis Smith, Zach Collins. And then you got Monk, Kennard, Donovan, Mitchell, Bam, Adebayo, Justin Jackson, and then notable names from there, like guys that are on the up right now. Mm-hmm. John Collins. I guess I'll throw Harry Giles in there. Jared Allen. around Sindarius. It's actually kind of a good draft, but not in the way we expected at all, because Josh is going to probably be out of the league within a year or two if things don't turn around for him. Mark Helfel right now is just yeah. pretty much. Neil Aquina has pretty much been that. Dennis Smith has at least added some production, but he's... Maybe not. I don't even know if he's a backup point guard at this point in his career with like the quality of play there. 
But then you look at these guys like Zach Collins, Donovan Mitchell, especially Bam Adebayo, John Collins, uh, Jared Allen, OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma, Derek White, Josh Hart. A lot of like great role players, not only like great role players, but like starting caliber players already right now. And they're getting so we really weird draft. Lonzo could still figure things out. Jason Tatum could still wind up being an all-star. Uh, Lowry Markkinen has been very productive in Chicago. He has just being an all-star. Malik Monk, who knows, really strange. It would be a really good draft, but not in the way we expected. We expected just like it is this loaded top, leave nine is the way that I had it. I just yeah. loved the top nine. And then I was like, I think Mitchell, Luke Kennard's not bad either. I like Derek White. It's like, it was a lot of that, but it's really all over the place. Uh, so number three, you had the LaMarcus Aldridge chase. Yes. This is where I have the Brandon Knight trade. Okay. Where do you have it? That day is a one. Oh, the, that, all of that the day. day, the day, the bus incident, waiting on the bus, pulling <laughs> guys out. Wish oh, I was there. Man, what a fly on the wall moment. Suns trade Tyler Ennis, Miles Plumley, the Lakers pick for Braden Knights, and this is just more about again. This is not just looking at the trade for what it was, which pretty brutal anyway, but. Ryan McDonough sat on assets forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And this was the only thing he really did. This is it. You can look at the Marquise Chris trade up, and that's just like, I think that's more of just like a draft day thing. But in terms of hoarding assets for a guy who is an all-star, future all-star, really promising player, this is it. And what's the theme here, Kevin? Guys that are out of the NBA. Brandon Knight's pretty much on the door right now. It He's wasn't about good. to be pushed out. Yep. He, the fact that you didn't even get someone on a... Again, Brandon Knight, worst case scenario, we're talking about him like he's some sort of Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, empty stats, bad efficiency dude. He's not even an NBA player, man. It's the catastrophic nature of that. And the Lakers pick winds up being 10th overall in the draft, so nothing too terrible there but the value at the time was much higher and the players that you could have gotten instead the night Bledsoe pairing like it's it didn't even get that far but we never even had a chance to evaluate it like I can't even remember anything about us having a chance to say their fit their chemistry their them like it was only like this is what the backcourt's supposed to be but we never even got a chance to look at it that's how crazy that is and yeah. and I only I only put this three because I honestly think a lot of it had to do with night mentally. I just physically too. I, there was just a lot of unknown variables there, and we can talk about like doing your work and like looking into this guy and making sure. Well, yeah, he was a near all star in the Eastern Conference in a yeah. year where it was asterisk heavy, but he was a quality good good player in Milwaukee. And everyone and he was a there, good guy too, and like, everyone there raved about him. And it was there was no red flags to be seen here. And then he just burns out here in spectacular fashion. And yeah, like that's the other thing too, where Josh and Chris maybe in their heads, like I think Brandon Knight was a really hard worker, and he like was just off the media vibes early on from the get go here because. It was always about injuries or negative stuff, fit. And then uh, he just couldn't get healthy. And I don't know how you predict that either. So. And then when he was healthy, he was a disaster. It was bad. And we $12 million, $12 million, and then 13 Those were his three years he was paid. And then last year, of course, he wasn't even here, but he was still making the money. 
and they extended him. Um, I have that as part of the whole February 2015 thing because we already went over it, but Drogic was mad for a reason. What do you think they should have done in the moment? So to hindsight, later, let's talk about that later, but in the moment, what did you think was the right course of action? I have one of them. I have receipts tweeting about dancing because Brandon Knight was a two guard and I was so excited and I was just like, this is perfect. He can shoot. He's supposed to play off the ball, but he hasn't, but he's going to figure it out off the ball. I thought I was thrilled. I thought it was a great turn. Trade one of them. Yeah. Even if you bring in Knight, trade only one of them. And that's what the IT trade, which McDonough actually said he regretted and wanted a mulligan on because technically that trade, as although it was... Didn't really factor in. You didn't have to do it. Yeah. Wide angle, it was having to do with all that other stuff, but that trade itself was what? For a second round pick and one player... Marcus Thornton, how dare you? Yeah. Sorry, Marcus Thornton. How dare you? So, yeah. It's not good. That's not value. (laughs) Kevin Zerman. (laughs) I don't know. It's not value. That that day was pretty like a good summation of how Ron McDonough's deal went for a few years. Uh, All right. I think that was a first round pick that wound up turning into two seconds. Oh, it was I'm a Cavs pick to track it down. Cavs pick, which it was a late first because LeBron was on their team, which wound up being Phoenix received a 2016 first round pick from Boston. That's Cleveland's pick and top ten protected. Did they get that pick? I legitimately do not remember this. It became somebody, I think, but I don't know who that somebody was. Uh, Phoenix Suns from Cleveland. That's a scout pick. 28. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Duh. We just talked about it. Yeah, that was a disaster. Uh, Number two for me is the Earl Watson era. Hiring Hiring Earl Watson. Watson. Me too. Wow. Hiring Earl Watson and the process of hiring him. It is bad enough that they brought back Earl Watson full-time after what they saw, and they had him around enough as an interim head coach to kind of figure out, hey, maybe this guy's not good at this. They did so without conducting an interview process, and they did so while rushing when, believe me, Kevin, the guy's still sitting at home right now getting his degree or whatever he's doing. No, he's going to UCLA. Is that what he's doing? He's on campus. He's not sitting at home. Well, Sorry, no one's hiring matter. him to be an NBA head coach right now. They didn't. They, there was no rush. UCLA is not walking. They're not asking their student to be their head coach. And yet you jump the gun and hire this guy without interviewing anyone, which is just insane. And the way McDonough phrased it, I... The one Ryan McDonough interaction I'm always going to remember was media day that year. That would be 2018, I believe. No, no, 2017? 2017. 2017. And he was asked, uh, it was like a scrum after he talked on the podium, and he said, in one of those moments where you have been around long enough listening to guys talk when they're not really saying what they mean, and you can tell when they're actually being honest and like speaking how they feel. Like you, Kevin Zimmerman, have an eye for that. I have an eye for that. And he basically said, this is what the players wanted. 
We wanted to make the players happy. They better not be wrong. Not smart to make the 23-win team or whatever make the decision for the head coach. No. Can you just put the name of the coach you want on this piece of paper and put it in the hat (laughs) anonymously? I'm not looking. That's how we're going to get this done. Oh, man. I think it was concerning that he... uh, he went in his tenure from using two centers at once to not using even a real power forward and using a small forward. And it was like, this might be a sign that he's a little out there. When he had Dragon Bender playing the three, and then he had him playing point guard at Summer League, then he had him actually playing the four, and then someone finally played him as a small ball five, and hey, he kind of looked kind of competent at points. That guy was not Earl Watson that did that. Um... I have him number two as well because we talk about the things that went wrong. Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, Josh Jackson, Alex Len. This was the guy that was in charge of developing them. Oh boy. Yep. Oops. That might be where it happened. Again, yeah, that's the thing. If Josh Jackson gets drafted by Boston and the Suns take Jason Tatum, how do those players turn out? We will never know, but... I think that the Suns' environment and the coaching staff, the development staff, all of that certainly played a factor in the way those three players' careers turned out. I don't think it was the determining factor. I think it was always going to be on the players. But I think it played a role. It didn't help. No. So I had the Chris 2016 draft as a whole. It's the number one. You had the trade deadline that we will never forget, number one. What are your thoughts after we did all this? I've been known as a McDonough guy just because I'm the one person who will semi-defend him. It wasn't good. But it wasn't good, and he was not good at his job. Yeah. When you have a bunch of guys leave and turn out to be good, and when you have a bunch of guys leave and end up out of the league that sounds like well that doesn't make sense i don't know what i'm trying to say here but people found success when they weren't successful here and other guys who failed here were just out of the league like it wasn't it wasn't like so if we had to rank the the largest most important assets that ryan mcdonough had at his disposal in the five years he was on the job. Ooh. Meaning before they were used. Like the number four pick and then what he turned into the number eight pick. Um, the Lakers pick. The number... Was he... No, he didn't draft Alex Lynn, did he? Yeah. So he drafted Alex Lynn. That was fifth. Three top ten picks... And another thing that was a fourth top 10 pick that wound up being number 10 in the draft that he turned into four guys who are pretty much uh, three guys who are out of the league and Alex Len will see in Atlanta, but some signs there. I think that's what it adds up to. Like, it's not even again, how desperate are we for one of these guys just to be like a dude on a bad contract who can still play minutes for you. That's not even yeah. what these guys are right now. They're they're done. So you're saying his top five assets, what they turned into? 
and half of them are are not in are not in the NBA yeah. anymore. That's what Lakers he got. pick was Brandon Knight. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas. I viewed his contract as an asset turned into Mark Thornton <laughs> and a scow. scow. Um, what else? Josh Jackson could have been Kyrie. We don't know how close that actually was. I didn't want to put that on here. It's just, eh. but I mean that that asset. Looking back, that's that's a trade chip in a pretty good draft, and we knew it was a pretty good draft. You could have traded that. Um, yeah, not a high bar for James Jones to meet. No, he just needs to get basketball players who are in the NBA and see where it goes. Seems to be trying to do it. Compliments to him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it could also, you can also fail. You can fail in many ways, Kellen. I failed to grow six foot seven and play NBA basketball. It was pretty easy. Yeah, that's what I've learned covering the Phoenix Suns. It's <laughs> a good summation. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, give us feedback on Twitter. What do you guys think? What are your? Uh, where would you rank your moves and everything? Uh, because I think this is going to be pretty split. I think like Booker being number one on the best moves is pretty easy, but everything else is up in the air. Certainly the worst moves as well. Hope you're doing well, Ryan, and you're taking those checks if you're listening. See you, everyone.